Thanks, music team. That was just wonderful. And we do have a hope. We do have a hope because of the Lord's love for us. In Psalm 136, we read, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of hosts. His love endures forever. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we come before you in prayer as a small part of your worldwide church, the part that you have planted in this community. With the psalmist, we declare together that you are the Lord of Lords and acknowledge that your love for us and for all your creation endures forever. We give thanks for your goodness, for the undeserved grace that you bless us with and for your abundant provision for our needs. We acknowledge the wonders of the world in which we live and declare that you alone are the creator and sustainer of all things. Father, we are sorry for the times we have failed to give you the honour that you alone are due and rightly deserve. We humbly ask your forgiveness for the occasions that we have taken you for granted and simply forgotten that without you we are nothing. Thank you that you love each of us and that nothing can ever take that away. Even when we fail and fall short, you whisper your unconditional love deep into our soul and remind us that your love for us endures forever and that your mercies are new every morning. Lord, thank you for your abundant, abounding grace, something that we cannot earn, unexpected and unmerited. You choose to freely shower grace and love on us. Help each of us to put ourselves in the path of your love and grace every day, drinking from the water of life that you so freely offer and delight to give. Help us to anchor our lives in you, Teach us how to stand strong in you by walking in your truth and pointing others to you in all we do and say. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your ongoing provision for us. We thank you for the wonderful country in which we are so blessed to live. We think of and pray for those people whose nations are in turmoil. We pray for those both young and old displaced by war, for those who have seen their homes destroyed and witnessed unimaginable horrors arising from man's inhumanity and sinfulness. We thank you for your abundant provision for us. We remember and pray for those who go hungry and lack even the basic essentials of life. Give us eyes and hearts to see the needs of others and the ability to show compassion and to provide help. We give thanks for health and remember and pray for those who are sick. Lord, we think especially of those who are close to us and in need of your healing touch at this time. We give thanks for family and friends. We remember and pray for those without people close to them or in situations where relationships are strained. Lord, show us how we can embrace the lonely 
and be peacemakers where there's tension. We give thanks for the freedom that we enjoy. We remember and pray for those who are enslaved, whether physically, mentally or emotionally. Lord, stir us to serve those in need. Help and guide us to use the different gifts that you have given each of us, no matter how small or insignificant they may seem, to bless others. Lord, help us to take to heart the words of St. Francis of Assisi. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it's in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it's in dying that we're born to eternal life. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the life that you have given each of us. May we use every moment to bring honour and glory to you as we seek to follow in your footsteps and to do your will. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. Good morning, church. It's uh, wonderful to be with you this morning. In fact, I was um, uh, part of, we live 40 minutes away now, and so part of our journey here with the kids early in the morning is to to put on some worship music and we and we just put on a random sort of playlist and it does it for us and so whatever comes to us we listen to and we sing along to and the the song bless the lord oh my soul was on this morning and i was just reminded it's just it's kind of a song that says come on soul bless the lord like what are you waiting for what you know wake up soul there's so much to be grateful for and it just reminded me as I was coming here, what a beautiful church family we have uh, to, to know one another and, and the, the gifts that we, we have amongst one another and what a privilege it is to, to share with you guys, what a privilege it is to, to speak into your lives and to bless you and to encourage you. In fact, sometimes I, I have this feeling like, how did I get here? Do you ever have that feeling? So how did I get here? <laughs> By the grace of the Lord, I reckon if you're in your primary school and you wrote out a 50-year plan, you know, most of us wouldn't have written out where we are right now, right? It's just an example that, that God is, is at work behind the scenes, that he, he, he works behind the scenes to bring us to where we are, to lead us, to guide us. And I was just, my prayer is that that's what, what happens this morning, that we'd be led and guided by the Lord as we look into his scriptures again. So join with me as I pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your word that guides and leads and instructs. And Lord, as we uh, delve into your, your word this morning, we just pray that it, it wouldn't just uh, pass us by, but Lord, that we'd be touched by it, we'd be moved by it. Uh, Lord, that you'd be speaking to us. And as, as Dan prayed this morning, that we would be bold to, to enter into all that you're wanting to say and wanting to do in your presence this, this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, 
um, we are in the middle of a series and we're titling it In His Words. Uh, we're looking at the teachings of Jesus. Um, it's a good place to start, isn't it, when you're talking about <laughs> teaching? Part of that was this desire to, as we want to be followers of Jesus, as we want to um, know what it means to, to be a disciple, it's really important that we actually understand what Jesus calls us to. And uh, this morning, I'm going to be talking on Jesus and money. And I've got to say from the outset, I've never preached on money. <laughs> I don't like it. It's, uh, I feel uncomfortable about it, uh, if I'm honest. It's, it's something that's one of those things that, like, do I have to go there? Um, in fact, Ben uh, Maddock preached last week when he, he gave that list of, of the sayings of Jesus that are, are nice and easy, and then you've got this list of things that are kind of a bit difficult or uncomfortable. For me, this is, this is on that list. But I ask myself, why is it that I kind of feel uncomfortable talking about it? Because I've kind of got to be honest with myself. And I think probably the main thing is you don't want people to have the wrong idea, to get the wrong assumptions that when you're talking about money, that you're potentially like you're after their money. Like you're talking about money because you just want my money, right? I just want to say something from the outset. I don't need your money because I've got a really rich father. Not my earthly father, but my heavenly father, right? He has all the riches and all good gifts come from him. And so ultimately we don't need it, but the Lord loves us to participate in his mission. The Lord loves us to participate in what he's doing in the world. And part of that is is giving and being generous with what we have. Um, there, there is a, a, a doctrine, a prosperity doctrine that is popular uh, in, in the West at the moment and that's another reason that like, oh, do we want to go there? Might, might people think we're one of those churches that are really into this idea of prosperity? Um, that's not the case here. But probably the main reason is I don't feel it's necessary. It's like, do we really need teaching on how to give? Like, to give, you just give like it's not hard is it it's not hard to be generous you you just give there you go there's your teaching for today I can sit down now the invite the band back up no um why why do we need teaching on giving well if we're talking about Jesus's words a quick survey will find that Jesus actually had a lot to talk about money in fact one of the majority of his teachings was on our dealings with money and possessions, how we earn it, how we save it, how we spend it, how we invest it, how we lose it, and most importantly, how we give it. In fact, did you know 16 out of 38 of the parables are about money or possessions? 16 out of 38. In fact, one one commentator said that one-sixth of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is about money and possessions. Now, might need to fact check that because I don't know whether that's true, but that regardless, if we're looking at the words of Jesus, we can't actually get away from this subject because Jesus was hot on money and possessions. And so therefore, we're going to go there this morning. So why does Jesus teach so much on money and possessions? Why? Well, I'm going to answer that question right at the very end. So you've got to, got to hang in there That's to the end before that is answered. But we're going, to, we're going to get to Matthew chapter 6. So if you want to turn to your Bibles, 
we're going to look at uh, Jesus' teaching in the Sermon of the Mount. But before we get to the text, let's just clear the air for a moment. What is people's attitude towards, what is their perception of money or riches? I want to say God was never against people having money. Jesus never condemns people for having money or wealth. The Bible is always interested in our attitude towards it and how we handle it. Some of you might say, doesn't the Bible say money is the root of all evil? Haven't you heard that? Yeah? Haven't you heard that the Bible says that money is the root of all evil? Does it say that? No. <laughs> 1 Timothy 6.10, you can turn to it if you want to. If you don't believe me, it says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of it, the, the possessive nature of it, the, the going after it. The, in fact, after it says some craving riches have wandered away from the face and have pierced themselves with many sorrows. I start with that because throughout the Bible, it's our attitude towards money that matters. In fact, we're talking about Abraham uh, at the kids' spot. Did you know that Abraham was incredibly wealthy? Abraham had a paid staff of like nearly 300 men just on his like militia. And he was considered to be as rich as the kings of Canaan at the time. Job. Job was incredibly wealthy, and yet the Lord said, here, look at my servant Job. And, of course, even when when Job loses it all, Job still has his heart and his desire and his faith on God. And then God blesses him twice as much as what he had before as a blessing. So God is obviously not against it. Joseph, he was the prime minister of Egypt, the nation that was probably the most wealthy nation at the time. And, of course, King David. King David, well, he was a king. <laughs> Kings are pretty wealthy. But the thing about King David, as we know in the Scriptures, that he was a man after God's own heart. And that's where we're going this morning. It is about our heart attitude towards the Lord and towards what we have. So money isn't evil. In fact, in the right hands, much good can come from our wealth. Much good can come for the kingdom. There was an, uh, an oil tycoon called J. Paul Getty who famously said, money is like manure. When you stack it up, it stinks, but when you spread it around, it makes things grow. <laughs> Isn't that true? When you stack it up, it stinks, but when you spread it around... It makes things grow. There is goodness in wealth. In fact, I want to just do a bit of a a survey this morning. Hands up if you've heard of someone called Humphrey Monmouth. Anyone heard of Humphrey Monmouth? No? Hmm. How about, have you heard of William Tyndale? Ah, okay. So there's people who have heard of (laughs) William Tyndale. Tyndale translated the Bible from... uh, from both Latin and Hebrew and Aramaic um, and Greek uh, into the English language. Now, when he did that, it was actually illegal to do. It was the 1500s. It was illegal you could be uh, put to death for translating the Bible. And yet we uh, owe 
a lot of our understanding, in fact, you know, before when I said turn to 1 Timothy to check what I was, you wouldn't have been able to do that in the 1500s. The people wouldn't have been able to open their Bibles and check for themselves. And so this led to uh, power um, doing, doing some awful things. In fact, they could have said money is the root of all evil. It says so in the Bible, so you should give me all your money. And they did things like that. They said you can have your sins forgiven if you pay us a price to be, have your sins forgiven, a, a, a warping of the Scriptures. And so we owe a lot to William Tyndale, but how did William Tyndale do his work? He had a financial backer, Humphrey Monmouth. He was a, a wealthy businessman and he paid for, for William to, he had to flee because of the persecution to, 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 to Europe and he paid him for six months to do work on translating the Bible into English. And once he'd done it, he used his own merchant ships to get these Bibles all around England to be able to do. To do. And so here is a, a picture. Humphrey is on the left, I'm assuming, because of his beautiful wig. Obviously, he's, he's well-to-do. And Tyndale obviously needs some lessons on um, what to do with his hair. But um, a partnership can arise. So there is, is goodness, and we can, we can see how... Wealth used well can further the kingdom and can be done well. In fact, another reformer around the same time um, who is um, Wesley, Charles Wesley, he had, he had a saying on, on what to do with money. He said, earn all that you can, save all that you can, and when you do those two things, you're able to then give all that you can. It's a great little saying when it comes to our, our wealth and how we, we, we tackle money. But what did Jesus have to say about money? As I said, I could have chosen many texts. We could have had the, the rich young ruler, the parable of the rich fool, the camel through the eye of the needle, uh, a number of, of points where Jesus uh, talks about money and riches. But I want to go right into the middle of the Sermon of the Mount uh, where Jesus speaks uh, quite famously on money and possessions. So come with me to Matthew chapter 6. It says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, if you thought three-point sermons were a modern phenomenon, we've just got Jesus proving that that's not the case. He had a three-point sermon here on money. And I want to go through these three points. What does your heart desire? How well do your eyes see kingdom values? And thirdly, who in your mind have you determined to serve? Firstly, what does your heart desire? 
Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus here is talking obviously about the the, the now versus the eternal. We cannot uh, take our possessions with us into eternity. And so what is the point of storing up and stacking up the things that we have here if this world is coming to an end or if these things can easily be taken away from us? In fact, the, we lose the play on words that was in the original language. What it actually means is don't treasure treasures, Jesus is what he's saying. And it's literally saying don't stack up things. Has anyone here moved house? Man, we moved in January and we stack up things, right? And we, we get to this new house and unstack everything out of, the, out of the moving van and we didn't have enough place to fit everything in so we had to build a shed to be able to stack everything back up again. We're good at stacking up our things. Um, and, and, and Jesus is obviously talking about this uh, don't don't put your your hope and your your riches into to things that can easily fade away or easily be be taken away uh, be, because those things can can come without warning uh, life happens and if our hope and our heart is in in things that can be taken away we can easily be uh, put down and sad by that but if we put our hope and our our riches into our heart into the things of the kingdom, into to eternal things that cannot be taken away, then that, that's a, a better thing. We think, for example, if we look at two different tombs of, of the, the time, uh, King Tut, Carton Tuman, who was the, the, the prince of Egypt, who, who, if you look at the, the tomb, the, the people have gone in there and there was, there was gold on the walls, there was a sarcophagus with all of these possessions and jewels and everything all over it because they had the belief that you could take with you into the afterlife what you had. And, of course, that's not the, the case, is it? And then look at Jesus' tomb. That was an empty tomb, well, apart from some linen and cloth at the end. Jesus rose from that tomb and it was an empty tomb. And, and so that's just an example of the, the now versus the eternal. There was a saying that went around when I was a kid called, and it said, he who dies with the most toys wins. Have you, have you ever heard of that saying? He who dies with the most toys wins. Now, when I was, when I was a young tacker, my, my, I was the youngest of three brothers, and my, my brother had a T-shirt, and I didn't actually understand what it meant, and he handed it down to me. But I knew that it was a cool T-shirt, so I was proud of walking around in this T-shirt. And it was only later on that I kind of got what it said. It said, he who dies with the most toys, and it had wins crossed out, and it says, still dies. <laughs> and I was like, look at me, I'm so cool walking around in this. I don't know what I'm, what I'm wearing, but he who dies with the most toys still dies. And it's, that's true. Jesus turns the, this idea upside down. Life is not what we amass, but life is about what we love. And he says this very interesting phrase, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I used to think when, when I read this, then we've got to get our, get our hearts right and, and make sure that our hearts are pure and we're thinking about that so that we're thinking about the right things. But Jesus isn't actually saying that. What he's saying here is when you 
give to something, your heart naturally follows. Your heart is interested in where your giving goes. So, for example, if, I mean, I've never invested in stocks in my life, but if tomorrow I just said, you know, I'm going to put some of my money into stocks, the next day I'm going to go online and I'm going to be interested in that company and what's going on with those stocks, right? (laughs) Whereas before I never would have been interested at all, would have never gone online to, to look at those things. But because my riches, because of my hard-earned earnings, because of something of who I am is going into something and giving to something, my heart naturally follows and is interested in that thing. And so Jesus is saying, give into the eternal so that you're into the kingdom, into his his uh, ways, into the church, into what God's doing amongst us, and therefore your heart will then be interested in it and, and will, will turn to it. We see this uh, in, in all sorts of ways. And I just think Ghana is a great example of that, isn't it? I mean, we're giving to Ghana and all of a sudden we're, we're just hanging on the next little video from John. How's it going over there? I'm, I want to know what's going on because we've, we've given into this thing and my heart's there now. So as we, as we give into this, we should make the kingdom our treasure in order for our heart to follow What is your heart's desire? Is it the kingdom? If not, then maybe give in to it and you'll find that your heart follows. In fact, I've often thought, you know, some people, um, when I was, (laughs) I'm going off track here, when I was a youth pastor, I used to get upset at pastors because I was like, why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing that? And we could be doing all of these these things as a church and blah, 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 blah. And and, I, and now that I'm a pastor, it's like, well, that's why that, none of that stuff happened. Um, but, but sometimes we can have an attitude towards church where we say, why isn't this happening? Or I'm or frustrated about this or frustrated about that. And I understand that, that that's the case. You know how to get rid of those frustrations? Give in to the church because then your heart will be interested in fixing those problems because that's where your treasure is. That's what Jesus is saying. And so we see great examples of people sowing into the kingdom. Hum- Humphrey Monmouth was a great example. Do you know who Mary, Joanna and Susanna were in the Bible? They funded Jesus' ministry. They supported him and the disciples to be able to do what they did. Do you know who Phoebe was in the Bible? Phoebe funded Paul and enabled Paul to be able to be a missionary along with Priscilla and Aquila. In Acts, Theophilus, we're thankful to Theophilus for Luke's writing of Acts and the Gospel of Luke. Theophilus probably funded his being able to do it. See, when you give your tithe and your your generosity increases the capacity for what we are able to do. So that's the first thing. What does your heart desire? Secondly, how well do your eyes see kingdom values? Now, I don't know about you, but when you read this, you're thinking, what on earth has this got to do with money? <laughs> you have to read it a couple of times, and you're thinking, what are you, what are you saying, Jesus? The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. Now, Jesus is talking about 
money here because it's sandwiched between. He hasn't sort of gone off off subject, but he's he's basically saying that. There is light in the world, and by the light, our eyes enable us to see what reality and see what's around us. We did, all of you got to church today because you're able to see the road and the reality around you, and it's because the light was able to come in and your, your body was able to, to know where to go. Um, and what Jesus is saying is there a kingdom, the kingdom value of being generous, the kingdom value of being free with our, our money and our possessions, not being, being lauded by it, is something that he has for us, something that is his will for us. And sometimes we can be clouded by that value. We can, we can our, our eyes, even though we can see, it can sometimes be clouded or, or dark or have cataracts, spiritual cataracts, because there's there's a, a darkness inside of us, a greed that is not in line with the value of what Jesus uh, is is teaching us. Can you see that? And so, so what Jesus is saying is that um, the the reality of of the kingdom is all around us. Do you see it? The reality of what he has for your life, his purpose and his will, the, the goodness and the, the generosity that he has is there. And that should come in and it should have its effect on us and it should be enable us in our walk with Christ to see and act and know how to, to behave and, and what to do. And, and if, if those two realities are, are at clash, then we need to get out the the spiritual microcloth and clean our, our lenses to, to again be able to see what he has for us. The Pharisees, Jesus continually called blind. And these were the ones that, that had wealth and had power and had stature and believed that it was right to, to just have these, these possessions, but he called them blind. And there's another aspect to this. It's a bit like... A kid in a lolly shop, when a kid goes in the lolly shop, they're like, whoa, look over there, look over there, whoa, look over there, look, look, look here, look, look there. Um, the, the word for a good eye here is the word single. It means that we should have a single vision, that we shouldn't be distracted by this and distracted by investments and boats and, um, and you know, houses and bank accounts and blah. It, it's saying... No, if we focus our eyes on the prize, a bit like when you're playing sport, the coach says, keep your eye on the ball, like you're going to hit it, right? So have this single single lens perspective, not a bifocal lens that we're looking at other stuff. We should look at the kingdom, we look at Christ, and that should enable us to see clearly what he has for us. In fact, um, after this particular part of the Sermon of the Mount, uh, it goes into talking about the birds of the air and not worrying about things. And then out of that, do you know what comes after that? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. It's the same idea here that Jesus is saying. Have a single focus. Make Jesus your treasure and focus on him. Helen Keller, the uh, American author who was blind, was once 
um, interviewed and the interviewer said, oh, it's a terrible thing that you're blind. Not a very nice thing to say to a person, but her response was really interesting. It's better to be blind and see with your heart than to have two good eyes and see nothing. And that's what Jesus is saying here when he's talking about the eye is the lamp of the body, is that we should have a vision, we should have an understanding of what God has for us. And and if we can't see that, then we're blinded by something. And we have to ask our questions, what, what are we blinded by if we can't see that? And thirdly, who in your mind have, are, are you just determined to serve? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now here Jesus is obviously uh, using the, the picture or the, the illustration of a slave uh, slaves were very common in the day. In fact, it was thought that half of the, the Roman uh, citizenship was, was slaves or economy, uh, society was slaves. Uh, I'm not going to go into the whole idea of difference between slaves back then and, and the idea that we have today, but the, the whole concept is that you were completely owned by a master. There were no part-time slaves, <laughs> You couldn't say, you know what, I've got my slave job on Tuesday and Thursday and then I work, work on my business on <laughs> Thursday and Friday. I've got my lunch thing going off to be a slave today. No, when, when you're a slave, you're, you're completely under the rule of the master. The master can, can say, go here, go there, and you have no say in the matter. Total control, subservient to that. And so... Jesus is saying, well, am I your master or is money your master? Because if you allow yourself to be completely governed by wealth and possessions and money, then I'm no longer your master. Am I really Lord in your life? If I'm Lord over you, then... then that can't be Lord. And in the same imagery, money and wealth can bind us and enslave us. And it can have power over you just in the same way that a, an evil master can enslave you if we're not careful, which is why Jesus is talking about it. There's a danger if we allow it to become our master. John Calvin, we're, 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 with the, um, <laughs> we're, we're in the 15th century today. John Calvin, 16th century, said, where riches hold the dominion of the heart, God has lost his authority. Where riches hold the dominion of the heart, then God has lost his authority. It's saying the same thing about having two masters. But one question I was thinking as I was thinking about this is, you know, sometimes our obsession and going after things can own us. But an interesting question to ask is, 
not what do we own, but who owns us? We should be asking the question, not what do I own, but who owns me? Because you yourself were bought with a price. (laughs) You are his possession. The Bible says that we are slaves to Christ. We are his and we we are bought with a great price. Timothy Keller said, every treasure but Jesus will insist that you die to purchase it. What he's meaning there is that if we make that treasure our master, then ultimately Jesus isn't our master and we lose that salvation that he came to us and our eternal uh, reality is that then we die to that in order to have it. So every treasure but Jesus will insist that you die to purchase it, but Jesus is the one true treasure that died to purchase you. Gee, you must be pretty special that Jesus came to die for you. Just think about what he did with his wealth. There he was with the Father, the Spirit. In heaven he had it all, throne, and he was willing to give it all away in order to redeem you, to have you as his own, to bring you into his family. Friends, you know it's possible to give without loving. We can give because of all sorts of things, duty, I think it's a good cause. We can give without loving, but you can never be a loving person without giving. For God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved you that he gave himself for you. You might say, well, I'm a loving person. Are you a giving person? Because to love someone means to give. I said at the start of the the message that I'd answer the question, why did Jesus teach so much on money? Why was it such a hot topic for him? I think it's because this is, again, a heart issue. He loves you so much that he wants you to love him. And he knows that in order to do that, he's got to have your heart. And if your heart is somewhere else, has Jesus really got you? If your heart is in other things, is is in the pursuit of something, if you're serving that master, if your eye is clouded and can't see what he has for you, if your treasure is in your things, then ultimately Jesus doesn't have you because he wants your heart. So Jesus was big on money because he's like, there's a danger here. There's a danger here to be, be taken away from our discipleship walk. In fact, I want to say it's not a moral issue, that this is a discipleship issue. If we're talking about Jesus' words and what it means to follow him, and this is a discipleship, what do we do with that money? Is it ours to keep? Is it ours to give? Do we allow it to be Lord over our lives or do we serve Jesus? Paul in 2 Corinthians 
says this, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to prayer. Don't don't give because the the organ's going and, and someone's given a good sort of sermon about giving. Give what what God has called you in your heart to give, for God loves the person who gives cheerfully. In fact, I want to say, you know, the, the Bible teaches and there's this, this idea that we tithe 10% of our income. And I've never liked that because I think sometimes we can, that can become a duty or become a, a religious thing that we kind of, oh, done my 10%, done, do, do, do. And, it, and it's just sort of set and not thought about. I think 10% is just a guideline. God loves a cheerful giver. You can go over that. doesn't matter. It's about your heart attitude towards it. In fact, I want to just be honest with you that when, I, when Joe and I were first married, I, I never tithed before that. I never had a taught, never, never understood uh, any teaching on money and... Uh, Joe does our budget, so we sat down as a, a young married couple, and she's like, "Hey, this is our budget. There's the ten percent." Like that, go- and I'm like, "What? <laughs> That's a lot of money." Like, uh, but 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 we're young and married. Like, how are we going to survive? Like, we've got food to buy and mortgage to pay, and and how how is this going to be possible? But I discovered that that that. Us and God with 90% can go so much further than the 100% with us alone. And I think that's the whole point of what Jesus is talking about and why it's a heart issue. Because money, like we get this, there's the practical side to it. Like we've, we've got needs, we've got kids' school fees, we've got, got stuff going on in our lives. Yet God wants us to be reminded it's that kingdom value thing that he is our provider that he's got us, that we can trust in him, that we can have hope in him to, to provide all of our needs, both physical and spiritually. And so let's give 50% and see what God can do with the other 50%. Let's, let's see what, what, what is possible. But the other really important idea was this. Whose is it in the first place? His, it's all his, right? Every good gift comes from God. He allows us to keep 90%. <laughs> what a good and generous and giving God. Yeah? What an amazing God we have. In fact, when we do a, a survey of words in, in the Bible, you know, we might have words that we think are important like prayer that has you know, two, is mentioned 200 times or, or believe 300 times or something. You know, give is over 2,000 times in scriptures. Do you know why? We have an amazing giving God. And he longs us to be uh, like him and to reflect his goodness and to give as he gives. I want to invite the music team back up. Yeah, you know, one of the one of the things I was 
How do you... I love preaching. I love talking about the the Holy Spirit and and, and God and what He's doing in your life. And like, how do you how do you correlate that with money? <laughs> but I was thinking about that, and I was just thinking, you know what? It's a heart issue. Does Jesus have my heart? Do I love Him with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength, with all my wealth? Or do I hold back? So we're going to sing a song this morning. And I just really encourage you that as we sing, to be thinking about those three things. How well do you see what he has for you? Do you know to be generous and giving is good for you? It is good for you. That's why he asks us to do it. So let's sing. I've got a scripture to pray. Please stand as we sing this song. You might want to pray in your heart as I read this prayer from the Psalms. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever, for great is your love towards me. You have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Take my life and let Father, we, uh, we surrender our hearts to you this morning. And, uh, yeah, we may be guilty of putting our eyes on other things. And, uh, Lord, I just, uh, yeah, we want to surrender ourselves, all of us, all parts of us, who we are, our wealth. Just as Sam spoke so well this morning on where our heart needs to be, Lord, I just, I just wonder if people in this room today just need to confess that their hearts haven't been truly fixed. I know I worry far too much, Lord, about losing what I have. Not necessarily a greed matter like wanting more, but you know, just even being worried about surrendering things that I don't want to lose. But I, I just, Father, I just, yeah, apologise for that, you know, Lord. We want to want to fix our eyes on you, the giver, not the gift. Holy Spirit, help us to trust you and to hear your voice in our lives, to be led by you, and remember that you are the giver who has endless wealth to give 
and that we don't need to worry, that we can be truly thankful for what you've done on the cross as the foundation, but that you will sustain us, that you will deliver us, ultimately for your purposes, not ours. Yeah, let's sing another. Let's sing verse 3. Take my will. Take my will and make it thine. It Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. Yeah, Lord, we just uh, want to close now. But, um, Father, I just pray again that our hearts will be examined, that you will, uh, yeah, speak to us, convict us, Lord, on where we need to put our focus. And um, we just, yeah, thank you again for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Sam, I, I love that. You haven't spoken on money before, but I thought you did a pretty good job. <laughs> uh, the the, uh, the um, analogy of the children's lolly shop, if you ever want to waste an hour, take my kids into the lolly shop and say they can buy one thing. Um, <laughs> more recently, I just sit out on the bench and just handle that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was a really great to see that analogy and, and understand where our focus needs to be on the giver, not those lollies that are all around us. Um, yeah, but really appreciate that, so thank you. Well, thanks, uh, thanks for coming this morning. We hope you stay for some coffee and tea and enjoy some fellowship together. Yes, and there's some prayer. <laughs> Thank you, Kathy. We've got a prayer team at the front, Lord. Uh, if you want to come in, um, I'm on the prayer team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> come out the front. We'll, we'd love to pray with you. And also the prayer room at the back as well, um, if you'd like to have some more prayer, just one-on-one.